This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastia. We're going to jump right into the topic in just one moment. Uh, if you want more information on Practical Shepherding, go to practicalshepherding.com. There's a, our website. All of our resources are there, books, uh, articles, other podcast episodes, over 200 podcast episodes that are there. You also can apply to come stay at the Shepherd's House. This is a six-bedroom cabin on 180 acres in beautiful just Kentucky woods just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And you can come stay up to two days, two nights for free if you are a pastor, and you can also bring your wife with you. So all kinds of resources that we offer, most for free, and we would love for you to to come and, and participate with us in whatever way that would be helpful to you. Uh, you can also go to... Uh, iTunes and write a review for the podcast if you are a regular listener. We check those and love to get feedback and learn from you and all the things that we're doing with this with this particular podcast. And one of the things, Jim, we do with this podcast is we ask people, what should we talk about? Uh, because we want to talk about the things that are that are pressing and most helpful to those who, who follow us. And uh, this topic today came out of uh, actually a direct, a, a private message that we got from someone. And we wanted to talk about it because we believe that this is a, a pretty common situation. And that is, what happens when you try to think about going back into the ministry? So Jim, the message we got from someone, from a pastor, somebody who was a pastor for several years, and uh, we, don't, we aren't given a reason why it didn't work out, but, but he had to leave the ministry for a time. Now what's encouraging about this is he sounds like he stepped away at, because he needed to, and he made that courageous decision to do that. He got some help. He even went and found a pastoral mentor. He, so there's a lot of good that seems to come out of that. And and as they wrote us, he and his wife, they they wrote us about we've been out a year, and now we we would like to we're looking at trying to get back into the ministry. How do we think about something like that? And I thought this was a good topic, Jim, because there is well, there's tons of guys who are who are kind of coming in and out of ministry like that. But I think it's also connected specifically to just the call, the call of the ministry. Mm. But what's unique about this situation is, and anybody who's been in ministry and leaves for a time and then wants to get back in is, they have a track record. They have previous experiences in ministry. They know what mm. it's like. So hopefully that would empower, inform them, even empower them to know maybe how to step back into it in a way that will help them to be more successful, uh, more and more manageable, whatever that might mean. So that's what we want to talk about today. Would you just set this up biblically for us as as we try to think about this particular topic? Yeah, I, Brian, I, I'm trying to think through situations, and I'm not sure I can think of one where you have that particular instance of somebody being um, uh, removed or removing themselves and then coming back. Maybe, you know, you may have actually, maybe the closest thing I can think of actually, as I say that is, is something like Moses where, uh, Moses saw himself as the redeemer of God's people. Uh, he sought to produce something of that, that led to the killing of the Egyptian. But then there's a 40 year period where of, of preparation and then a stepping back into a leadership role and then 40 years of ministry. So you break up Moses' life into those, you know, the 40 years in Egypt, the 40 years of preparation, right. and then the 40 years of, of ministry. And you could, you could argue that you know, there was a, um, uh, in his first 40, something of a, a life of ministry that ended in, we could say, some degree of failure, whatever term you want to use, and then preparation and then a return. So something like that. But Brian, in, as you get to the, the situation, 
And what I appreciate, I think this brother in particular has done, um, I think you have to start with a, a, the sense of a sober self-assessment. You find that in Romans chapter uh, 12, that we're to think soberly, uh, we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, we're to have a sober self-assessment. Uh, and that may include, again, having others look at us. Uh, others, you say to somebody, he said, look, I was in ministry for X amount of years, uh, five, ten years, uh, things didn't go well. I, I, I wound up leaving for a variety of reasons, and, and I think what those reasons are have some bearing. Yeah, right. Uh, which we want to talk about in just a moment. But what left, uh, we believe that we have sufficient healing to be able to step back in. I think you need somebody other than yourself to help you yeah. uh, with a sober self-assessment. So uh, a mentor, a wife, uh, children even who are going to be involved because other people are going to be affected uh, yeah. by this. Counselor. And then I think you need to think through the uh, issues on which we are exhorted to take heed. And so three of those areas in the scriptures we're told to take heed is one is to ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, one of them is to the flock, and another of those is to our doctrine. We're to take heed to those. Those are at least three things that we are to take heed to. Mm-hmm. And I think those are going to have some of impact on what we choose to do. So in taking heed to ourselves, and we can unfold all these in a moment, I'm just saying quickly what I mean by that, is we need to ensure that we are in a place uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically to be able to do this because we, we are... It is through a human vessel, a human instrument that ministry is done uh, with all the complications, all the joys, all the complications, what it means to be a human being doing that. But in regard to the flock and in regard to doctrine, I I think these are some issues that you're going to need to consider as you think about not just stepping back into ministry, but what kind of ministry or what kind of church that I'm going to get back into. So I think those are some things that you need to, to stop and think through. Those are good. I would also add, just when you think about the qualifications of a pastor in 1 Timothy 3, those qualifications, though they're not exhaustive, they are specific. Mm -hmm. And so I think the specificity of those qualifications can be a guide to help somebody say, you know, I'm... I'm, I wouldn't say I'm disqualified, but this this qualification is kind of pushing me, challenging me to maybe step away to address this issue in my life Mm -hmm. and then step back in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to commend, though we don't know the specific situation... Of this this husband and wife who wrote us, I just I want to com- I think there's a lot of right that happened out of just hearing them talk about, you know, the idea of you know it stepping away, having the need for stepping away after several years for some reason, but getting help. I mean, like mm-hmm. this this language they used of even, you know, we needed to, we needed to find sufficient healing. So it mm-hmm. sounds like there was pain, a lot of pain right. wrapped up in that previous ministry to get help to step away. I just want to pause for a moment and just. Praise them for that yeah. discernment, because what so many try to do is just press through, right? And that usually leads in disaster and an inability to come back, right? So I, I just so you know, I, I often will counsel somebody who asks and reaches out to us to say, you know, it's okay to step away. I'd right. rather you step away for a year or two and right. have a thirty-year ministry, right? Than you try to press through and you're done in less than ten years, right? Exactly. So I, I first want to say it's okay to st- even good to step away in the grand scheme of having a long ministry. Yeah. Now, having said that, uh, what are some of the categories, Jim? We want to think about in regard to how what what does this couple and even others 
who are trying thinking about stepping back into ministry after gotten gotten sufficient help, the support around them are saying, "Yeah, I think you're ready to step back in." Let's throw out some categories of things that they should be thinking about and others should be thinking about if, when, and if they're ready to step back in. What would be one thing you would throw out there? Okay, so you, I have a complex of things, so I'll try to take them one at a time. All right, all right. All right, so the first thing is I think you need to try to determine uh, was it the norms of ministry that caused the the fatigue, the the uh, the burnout, whatever it is that may have led to stepping away. Because you, you need to know in coming back into it that that's not going to change. So for instance, if I'm running a marathon and I and I drop out for a time because I've got a stitch in my side or my I, I have a, a Charlie horse or something and I just can't keep, I have to recognize that to finish that marathon means I'm going to go back to doing the very thing that produces some of that yeah, weariness right. there Good is. Point. Yep. Ministry is what it is. In the best of circumstances, it involves labor and toil. And yeah, so no good. amount of stepping back in. You, you need to recognize that I am entering back into a fight. I'm entering yeah. back in. So a soldier steps out, but when he gets back in, what he's getting back into is war. And in and, and the best ministry, it has elements of war. That's so you good. need to know That's that, good. Yeah. first of all. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because there are those who think I, I had a disastrous ministry situation. Or I had a really hard ministry situation. And they step out of it, and whatever I, idealism they brought to the, to the table, they can convince themselves that it's not that way everywhere. Now, by the way, it's right. That's my, I do want to get into it, that. It, we will get into that. But I, to your point, it's a great illustration, by the way, to the, uh, the soldier at war, the marathon runner. I think those are really helpful because you're right. Ministry is what it is. Right. Now, there's different situations. I, that is a great place to start, too, by the way. I think make, make, take a good hard look of what you learned ministry was in your previous post and to realize that you may find a better situation. This is still what ministry is, and you need to make sure this is what you want yeah, to do. Yeah, you're not tired anymore because you haven't been running, but yeah. what you're going to get back to is running. And so you do need to know that, and, yeah. and you got to be prepared for that. Yeah, that, that's good. ministry itself is exhausting under the best of circumstances. Yeah, that, that's, really, that's really good. So... Uh, one of the things that that I'm thinking about is, you know, what what kind of uh, emotional, mental, spiritual pain did I experience in this one ministry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and did I find sufficient healing from that? Otherwise, I'm going to carry that into my next ministry post. So that would be another thing I would say needs to be thought through, uh, because I watch this all the time, especially somebody who's hurt in one ministry post just goes directly to the next one doesn't realize they need they have things they need to work through from that previous place so they they carry it over congregations do this by the way it's hilarious to watch i mean in a twisted way it's hilarious to watch how uh, they a congregation will go from one pastor and when they they do a search you know i'll meet with congregations who are looking for a pastor try to help them and they'll they'll literally articulate to me the exact opposite of the guy they just had mm. and they think so there's this swing and I think pastors do this too. Right. This hurt, so I'm, I need to find a church that is totally opposite, and that's going to fix all of this. Sufficient healing from the pain of the previous place, or at least making some ground on that, I think then provides a balanced discernment, I would say, to know how to go to the next place. Without that, you and you're not aware that that pain is going to influence your decisions. Uh, so I think it's another thing you have to think about. 
is making sure you have addressed, begun to address the pain you've experienced mm-hmm. before you pull it, before you carry it over into the next ministry spot. What's another area we want? Okay, to, we second to area that I would say is: Have I carefully considered uh, how I did ministry? And what I mean by that is. Was I carrying unnecessary weights, unnecessary burdens? Again, so we're going to use our running analogy again. But yep. go to go to Hebrews chapter twelve, laying aside you know the weight and those things that easily entangle us, and, and run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so you know, if, if there were unrealistic expectations that you had on yourself, uh, mm-hmm. have you properly identified those things and dealt with them? That's good. So, for instance, if you had in your mind that uh, a faithful pastor has to spend 70 hours a week in labor, and that's what, what, what you know, and you're going to go back into it with those same chains, those same, you know, heavy clothes or whatever else, you mm-hmm. say, well, I'm a marathon runner, but I, I ran it with a trench coat yeah. with bricks in my pocket. To show how strong I am, like, well, no, dude, you don't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And that there were things that you did, maybe with a, you know, either naively or you had a mentor who who did that kind of thing, and it, and it wore you out. Again, recognize, you know, you, you get into that ident- that um, definition of insanity, doing the same thing <laughs> over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah, that's right. So that if if there were things that you did that you say, you know what, in I was striving to be faithful, but I also added certain things to my to myself. I added pressures to myself uh, that wore me out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, ask yourself, are there things that I need to lay aside or things alternately maybe that I need to make sure that I pick up this time certain rhythms that I really do do a day off? I really do take my vacation time i really do ensure that i I, i'm not you know missing my family or whatever Mm -hmm. else you need to identify those things that wore you out were they extra biblical were they expectations you put on yourself Mm -hmm. and ensure that you're not repeating the mistakes of the past that's really excellent point and we we see a lot of guys that that don't see that so they just step back in their next ministry post and do the very thing that burnt them out Mm mm-hmm and so that's a really that's a really good point, and I, I would just I just want to echo that because that's part of the just taking heed to yourself. That's part right. of seeing how you do ministry and was it healthy the first time. Uh, that if you have the chance to step away and then had chance to step back in, if you have not evaluated that and concluded healthy rhythms to do that, uh, that then you will go. You certainly will go right back in and do things the way you did, and, and the same result is going to mm-hmm. come. Another one I would throw out there, Jim, is. Uh, to and and I talked to I had talked to quite a few pastors about this that that first ministry post revealed to them that maybe they were doing a role that they aren't gifted for. Hmm. So uh, I've seen this both ways. I've seen a guy go in as an associate pastor and realize, you know, I want to be a lead pastor. This was not a good fit for me. And they conclude out of that that no, I, I, that's what I want to pursue next. Mm-hmm. And the vice versa. I've watched guys go in as as lead pastors. And realize I can't preach week in and week out. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's the thing. If that's the thing that that burns me out or that caused me to to have to leave, then maybe it doesn't mean you're not supposed to be in ministry, but maybe a different kind of role. So to mm-hmm. your point, the call of a pastor is a call to pastor, but a lead pastor has to have a, a level of preaching gifts right. that an associate pastor who preaches four or five times a year does not have to right. necessarily have. As far as a capacity to cr- just crank out weekly sermons, yep. so. Th- 
this conversation, you have to bring in the aspect of giftedness. And to again, to know yourself, take heed to yourself. This is part of knowing yourself. To then know what kind of role can you step into in a church. And so was it a role issue that caused you to go, this is not a good fit? That's a really helpful thing to conclude. There are some guys that wrestle through, you know, does this mean I'm not called to this? Or does this mean I really was just functioning in a place that I'm not gifted to, I'm not thriving in? Another thing we got to th- talk about in this particular point is, you know, different churches have different ideas of what pastors are supposed to do. So right. we're, we're, most of the time we are not talking about a healthy context where you feel called to be a pastor and a shepherd and to do this, what the New Testament tells us. And you go take a role at a church that has a different idea of what that right, is. Well, exactly. That's a whole other level of of battle, and so I, uh, and we, that, that's another area maybe to to address. But but I think this by itself, every pastor needs to evaluate one: just a, are you called and gifted for the mm-hmm. ministry? But two, what kind of gifts do you have that can determine what kind of specific role you should be assuming in in your church? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you, you use sports analogy. You know, you, you're 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 mediocre as a as a shortstop, but you'd be great in left field, and you know, you, you you think you're you're terrible and you're getting booed, and it's like you know you're just in the wrong position. Yeah. And so the, all right. So I want to talk about flock, Brian. So okay. take heed to yourself. Take yep. heed to your flock. Go for it. And, and so what I want to what I want to consider is this. So what is what burned you out? You know. Um, was it the kind of church that you were that you were pastoring? And and we have to we have to be realistic and understand that there are men or there are there are there are congregations and the scriptures talk about this that that devolve to the point where uh, they they no longer have the aroma of Christ uh, that they are not a, a it's not a vibrant group of believers. Uh, they're not people looking to be shepherded, looking to be fed, simply wanting to serve the Lord and worship and pray and love each other and support each other on the way to heaven. Now, I want to say to some people, look, there are pa- there are churches like that, you know, because I think sometimes there you are. get you get so used to saying, okay, what ministry is is trying to find a you know a handful of sheep among a flock of goats. Uh, and that's just the way that it is. I'm going to have deacons that oppose me rather than love me and support me and pray pray with me and for me and try to help me to do my job. That's just the way it is. It's just what church is. Churches are full of fighting, uh, and I just have to prepare myself, put on the proper armor, distance myself enough, and get through it and try to lay my whatever crowns I have at the Lord's feet at the end. I want to say to some guys, look, that's not what ministry has to be. Just like you want to say to some somebody says, well, I don't know if I ever, you know, maybe they got divorced because, you know, their spouse beat them and cheated on them. And they think, well, if I get married again, the same thing's going to happen. Yeah. And you go, no, right. that's not, no, that's not, that's not what it's meant to be. Right. And, and and you had a bad experience, but it doesn't mean everybody, every man's going to cheat on you or hit you or, or you'd be unfaithful to you or whatever. And if you enter, you know, re-enter back in and it's just like, okay, it's got to, all right, I think I can do this. I think I can take the beating. I think I can run through the gauntlet. You might need to say to yourself, look, and I was actually in what burned me out was not how I did ministry. It's just that I was in a context that where it was a constant unnecessary fight due to the spiritual condition. So I think you need to do the best you can as you try to discern a place of labor. Because there are guys, Brian, you and I both know, guys who have been in ministry where it was you know, hard. They left and they found another, they found a flock that was, you know, for all its blots and blemishes and no perfect church and all the rest, 
but generally speaking, hungry people wanting to be fed, and and the flock flourishes and the pastor flourishes because yep. he's actually able to do what he's called to do because he's laboring among true sheep. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, I, I, you know, part of my part of my ministry is not just training guys for ministry, but <clears throat> actually training specific guys to go into a dying, dysfunctional, even hostile church. And those th- those places yeah. exist, but not all churches are like that. So right. there there are differing levels, and I think you know that 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 is part of what you have to evaluate. And again, as you interview with a church and try to assess what's gonna what this church is is it a, is it a flock that wants to receive my ministry? Yeah, you, it's good to do do your due diligence to try to figure that out. At the same time, Jim. This is why we kind of bring this full circle back to what we were talking about before. Ministry is ministry. Right. And what I find is that um, there's a lot of guys that try to just overthink it and try to look at, find every possible problem sure. before they sure, go there. Sure, 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 sure. And I, I'm, I often say to guys, you know, if you're supposed to go there, if that's where the Lord wants you, uh, he actually will hide from you. <laughs> the thing you are trying to discover that would right. keep you from going there. Right. And again, that's the difference, Brian, between normal what we might call normal dysfunction and uh what we you know uh whatever term you want to use a hostile dysfunction yeah. you know again every church is gonna look you can have your crazy aunt crazy uncle you know whatever in, in, any, in any congregation yeah. right any congregation depending on the size of the congregation you're going to multiply that um, but you know, where you reckon, but it's family and, and, and you're in it together and you take your lumps and people do things that are like, okay, that was kind of dumb or, you know, but you, and you did something dumb, but they forgive you, you forgive them, you know, whatever it is, there's that. And then there is a synagogue of Satan, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, there is a, a place where, uh, the spirit is departed, the glory is departed and the Lord himself says of certain churches right. in, in the book of revelation, look, this guy's changed or else it's, it's not going to be a church anymore. Right. And, and and right. so we have to recognize that, all right, was I laboring in a field of thorns uh, or am I laboring in, and again, this is the other part of it, the realism of ministry, the norm of ministry, and just read your New Testament, read what goes on in Ephesus, read what went on in Corinth. This is what you're signing up for. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so even where there's, there, that they are saints and loved of God, yeah. that there is, there are people who lie, people who uh, are lazy people who are struggling with immoral issues. You know that's going to happen yep. in any flock. You you have to. That's a realistic assessment of a what can be a true church versus yep. a, a non-true church that has the function and forms. You know the the uh, 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 the, the rituals. Uh, you know, it's, but it's like a corpse that looks alive, but it's yep. dead. That's you know, so that's that's what I think we. Let's go to the let's go to the third area you talked about in taking heed, and that's to take heed to our doctrine. Yeah, and and that this. So I I let's just take a moment on this because I I know of somebody recently who actually stepped away from ministry because they actually shifted doctrinally right. on something that could no longer allow them to serve in right. the current church they were in. So let's let's we speak about this a moment. Yeah, as you be, think about because, that. Because yeah, that that you, you, a part of what again can burn a guy out. So we're looking at what might cause a guy to leave ministry. So some of it might you can you have to ask was it just ministry itself? That's the first way. You know, right. was it how I did it that yep. I unnecessarily burdened myself? Was it the flock that I ministered to that was full of people that were hostile to a degree? <laughs> 
um, pushing back to a degree that made everything exhausting that should be joyful. Uh, but then again, let's, so let, let's get into that you're in a situation where as you are preaching, so say you're, you're in a congregation and we can speak in broad categories. Uh, so let, let's say you're in a dispensational context where they've always held to a uh, pre-tribulation rapture, seven-year tribulation, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and that's part of their doctrinal foundation. You're beginning to question that, and you say something preaching through First Thessalonians, and you say something that's outside of that, and 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 alarm bells go off, and all of a sudden, you know, there, are you a heretic, and and and, and all of that, and, and people begin now to view everything you say with suspicion and, and what had been you were kind of jogging now you feel you're you're walking through a slog or mire um you know anyway so you, you're in that and you think to yourself all right I, i'm probably i'm no longer a good fit doctrinally compatible yep. with this congregation what they hold to is you know it, it's not heresy but it's not where you are anymore and if you were in a congregation, let's say, you, you know, whatever it is, you, you become more amillennial or whatever it is, whatever the case might be, and there's a congregation that is, you know, though it may not, it's not necessarily like absolute first tier issue, but you are able to, to just run with a sense of freedom to not have that burden around you. More, more specifically in our context, generally a guy comes out of Arminianism or something like that into a more reformed context. And now you're able to, you know, preach through Romans nine or, you know, whatever it is without fear that they're going to, you know, tie you up and tar and feather you Mm -hmm. or something like that. And there's just a freedom that comes where there is a general doctrinal agreement. And as long as you're in the parameters of that, with that, you know, the church will most likely have some confession. You're more in agreement with it. You're able to be yourself. You're able to, to preach without uh, a, a fear of hostility and, and where there is an agreed-upon framework. I yep. think that there is a liberty that comes to that. It may have been exhausting in a previous context. It's liberating in a new context. Yeah, I, I think that there's two sides to this. There's that one you're talking about where you actually uh, shift in a doctrinal belief um, and in the shifting on something that the church is— it, realizes they can't that, that that there's disagreement there but there's another side to this and i think you kind of alluded to it as well that you're clear about a doctrinal position you have when you're interviewing with the church right. and the search committee says oh yeah that's fine you know that, that's okay <laughs> no no worries and you're like okay search committee said that was fine and you get in and, tw- and 30 24 months 36 months in right. you're preaching through a text that whatever it whether whether it's on Communism, Arminianism, whether it's dispensationalism, you know, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden you preach on something right. hadn't thought of it since that interview. Going, well, no, they they said this was fine, so I can just preach away on this, and and then you realize that the real influential person in the church disagrees with that, right? And I've watched guys either get fired or forced out because of a doctrinal position that they made clear going into the church. Right. But just the certain certain people, problematic people didn't know about it. So I yeah. I want to put that out there because yeah. there's a lot of guys that have just become disillusioned by that because they're thinking I, I was I was up front with you about this. So <laughs> right. so so right, right, right. so there there's I shifted doctrinally and I no longer like I'm I'm no longer a you know, I'm now I believe in infant baptism. I'm I can no longer be a Baptist or right. you know, whatever it is. Those the pretty clear thing like that, but on, on this on this other side, I think that's where a lot of guys get frustrated. I, I'm I'm all in. I was honest, and now 
the application of right. what we talked about. So I, that we even you know, I think structures of leadership come into this, a doctrinal and then practical issues where a guy starts teaching on eldership or something like that and or recognizes it and sees it in there. And he goes maybe from a, a situation where that's it's not according to the tradition, it's absolutely rejected. And that's part of what, what burns him out is that he's pastoring and shepherding all by himself rather than having others. Yeah. And so he finds a congregation, he's in a situation either where they're very open to this, there are people that are, are already in the office that he's compatible with, or else you know that he realizes he he can that there, there there are the tools here to make fellow elders because what what burned him out was as you know, Moses' father-in-law said to him, "This works too much for one man. You know, yeah. you need to find others to share this burden with you. Ministry is meant to be shared. Yeah. It's possible to do it by yourself, but it is meant to be shared, and it's a big difference mm-hmm. when you share that responsibility when you're in the yoke with one or two or three others versus by yourself. So I think." That's a final thing for me. So, so a final thing for you. Here's my final thing on this. Um, I think as you're in between ministry posts, there's a one big question I think you, both the pastor and his wife, have to ask yourself before you go back into the ministry. Do I really love people? Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times what people don't realize, pastors don't realize is how much loving people, loving difficult people, Loving immature people, lo- living, loving irritating people, is part is is the call. It, it, uh, this yeah. is part of what this I want to do. This as a podcast sometime. Well, the, the particular the, certainly because could be I'm dealing day. with this with somebody. Yeah, it's, it's very important. Now, a guy who wants to be in ministry but doesn't love people. Yeah, and so that would just be my final word here, Jim. Is that you know we've mentioned a lot of things. I think you should evaluate, but. If you're out of ministry and something caused you to have to step away, regardless of what it was, when you go back in, and by the way, I tell the young guy graduating from seminary the same thing. Like, just don't don't even do this. If, if you don't know you have a tangible love for people and an ability yeah. that God's given you to love difficult people, because they will be in every church. I promise you that. So, uh, so make sure you love people. That's a big thing uh, before you go back in, because that's the one thing that's really going to, I think, carry you over whatever church you're in and whatever flock God's given you to, mm. to love. So, Jim, we take a minute and pray yeah. and just ask God to, to help those listening to this? Our Father, we do uh, pray for those who have, who have left ministries, who have gone through a period of, of healing and, and restoration and have a renewed sense of hope uh, for the future. Uh, oh, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would watch over them and, and, and keep them. We, we, would, we would grieve to see them re-enter another situation where they may uh, wrestle to the degree even where their faith feels shattered. Lord, help them, uh, aid them in, in choosing wisely. Uh, Lord, lead and guide by your providence uh, into green pastures where they can lead sheep and take care of them, love them, serve them, be patient with them, uh, and enter into the, the normal stresses of ministry without ruin. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.